Kanban on the air. Thanks for tuning in to Instagram Growth Podcast. We love having you here and it's our mission to bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills and know-how to make you the best Instagram marketer that you can be. We know that you have it in you and we are going to show you how. Now, let's get started. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Instagram Growth Podcast Show. Glad to have you back this week. Today, in this episode, I'm so happy to be accompanied by a recognition expert, experienced and dynamic speaker and coach, and just a wonderful woman, Sarah McVennell. So thank you, Sarah, for accepting my invitation and for finding some time in your tight schedule to come and be there with me, share your knowledge with my no, audience. Thank, thank you, so you and welcome. Okay, so guys, um, a few housekeeping issues. So today's episode will be a bit different from what I'm usually share. So no tips, no strategies, no hacks for Instagram marketing. And you're now probably thinking, hey, Anne, come on, why? Isn't it the thing your podcast is dedicated to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, almost every episode I give you... Um, uh, uh, contains exact tips or recommendations or hacks on how to stay closer to your dream and to your goal in marketing. But you cannot reach your goals and become successful without bad days or kind of failures. So how many of you guys have been disappointed with your current results or influencer or advertising campaigns on Instagram? I'm sure all of you have experienced some kind of failure. And today in this episode, Sarah will help you to understand how not to give up, how to come through it, and how to yep. stay stronger. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> okay. So, Sarah, to start with, please introduce yourself in a few sentences. Where are you from? What is that that you are doing okay. in life? And so, so I'm coming to you from Ontario, Canada. I live near Niagara Falls, so one of our seven wonders of the world, which is a pretty cool place to live. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, I have been an entrepreneur for five years. I left a corporate job from a very senior position, included public relations. So I get the whole you need to have a strong brand, put yourself out there, experience lots of failure and challenges in my corporate life before I ever even ventured uh -huh. into entrepreneurship. And I'm also uh, trying to figure out how to raise two super wonderful, healthy teenagers. So again, lots of humbleness in that regard as well on a, on a personal level. So I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've written a number of books. One of them will probably be a bigger focus of our conversation, flip side of failing. And I absolutely love to, yeah, you know, to help people understand that. Uh, failure and challenges and obstacles is just part of every journey, personally, professionally. And that if we find a way to harness it and leverage it, we actually can recognize and value ourselves and others that much more easily and frankly, more authentically. Okay. And how long are you in that already? I mean, in helping people and making it uh, your true business. So, and is it your true passion or you have some yeah. other passions well, in your life? Um, my core area of expertise recognition with the failure piece being recognizing ourselves despite challenges and obstacles, setbacks that we inevitably experience. I, I mean, I could talk about that all day long. And 
I was the kid who would never stop talking. So now I've finally found a profession that allows me to do that for, for, uh, you know, focus. Um, you know, my biggest passion outside of doing that work is raising a really strong, healthy family. I've been married for 21 years. I absolutely still adore my husband. My kids are just oh. wonderful human beings. I'm super proud of them. They're competitive rowers, and I just love seeing them focus so much of their energy towards that. Who knows what the future will bring for them with, with respect to that. And I also have rediscovered dance in my 40s. And so I tap dance and hip hop and who knows what else. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. What about Latin American dance? <laughs> I, I, I haven't probably ventured out of outside of those two realms. I, I think there's probably all kinds of worlds of, of dance that I could get into. I'm, I don't know. I have, but you have to be comfortable with failure if you pick up something new in your 40s. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. By the way, you look so young. Uh, I didn't even know that you have children and you said children. Yeah. So that is more than one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you Thank look you. Very young. It's cool. So, um, About your passion and about helping people, you know, I'm pretty sure that doing what you love mm -hmm. is actually very important and it only adds more value to you as a true professional. Because, uh, you know, when you like your job, if you like what you are doing mm -hmm. every day, you never get bored or exhausted. And on the contrary, you would only uh, want to learn something new every day, educate yourself, you're curious, you have this fire inside and people see it and want to be like you, they trust you, they listen to you. So I think it's really very important to be passionate about your uh, profession, I, I about totally your job. You. And that's why I think it's so okay. great that this content marketing world has exploded and that there's experts like you and your listeners Because people like me, I want to go on stage and speak my truth and I want to write books. I'm not good at the content marketing on my own. I need somebody to write my ads and monitor them and improve them. And that's where where your listeners, I'm sure, are just knocking it out of the park. So for whatever it's worth, anyone who's listening to this, please, please, please keep going. Go through the roadblocks, obstacles, keep getting better live through all the changes of algorithms and all of those frustrations I'm sure that you live with every day because people like me, the only way we can keep doing what we love and putting the value and the content out in the world is when we have partners like your listeners. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. And you said uh, that you recently mm -hmm. wrote a book about failure. <laughs> so how come you are a recognition expert and you seem to be very successful, happy, self-made woman? Yeah. So what's up with that? How did this idea a good come question. to you? So I, I actually still sometimes can't believe that I wrote a book about failure because I never would have anticipated that. I, somebody had told me that a couple of years ago, I would have said, I think you must be thinking of somebody else. What I was trying to do is write a book about greatness. My brand is Frog Forever Recognize Others' Greatness. And so I wanted to write one that was the motivational part of the message. So I help a lot of corporations and leaders and even frontline staff learn how to use recognition. And some people I just find simply need to be more positive and more, more, you know, feel more optimistic and hopeful about their life. So I thought, well, okay, I'll write the purely motivational book on greatness. 
I went out and I interviewed all kinds of amazing people, Olympians and Everest climbers and 3M scholars and award-winning singer-songwriters, all kinds of people that we put up on a pedestal. And I'll tell you the thing that surprised me most was that the only theme that arose in every single interview completely unsolicited was how important and essential failure was in their success and that they wouldn't trade that failure for anything. And I thought, wow, now that is a message that I think we all need to talk about and can relate to. Yeah, okay. And um, if we speak about content marketing, what do you think every content marketer keep should keep in mind about failure? And if that failure happens, yeah. so how Great to keep question. going? Great question. So I learn from those interviews that the secret to people who have been able to remain failure resilient, and which I think is what every content marketer needs, you're going to constantly have ads turned down and uh, spends that go over budget because the, the reach was different from what you thought you were going to be able to do. And what worked for you last week doesn't work for you this week, or it doesn't work for one campaign versus another. There's constantly these obstacles and these roadblocks. What I learned from speaking with very, very successful people who had leaned into this concept about failure will potentially be my, my gateway to my greatest success is that they, they weren't surprised. It didn't cause them to, to um, let's say, get thrown off their game. They actually sought it out and expected it. So in the content marketing world, it might look like that I am going to do a number of tests. And I'm going to expect that I absolutely will have underperforming results. And that, in fact, I'll probably have to do this for at least 17 times until I have a good ad. And if you expect that, then you don't get frustrated for the first 16 because you're like, 17, I knew it. And if it happens on 13, you're like, wow, look at me. I'm a content marketing superstar. Um, yeah. But so many people, I would think, uh, certainly I was when I first started trying to do my own content marketing before I realized this is just such an art form. I need to work with experts. I, I was very disappointed. I thought, no, if I just do my research and set my mind to it, I'll be able to master this. And everybody listening, I'm sure will be able to tell you, oh no, there's so much completely beyond your control. There's so much that's changing all the time. The nuance of one client that you're representing and supporting versus somebody else what can work for one audience doesn't work for another one. And then as soon as you think you figured it all out, Facebook and Instagram completely change the game and the rules change. So I think we need to remember that yeah. the barriers and the obstacles is the, where the learning happens. It's probably where your best campaigns will lead to the best results because you don't quit and stop and go a different direction. It may also be your sign that you need to loop somebody else into your team. Maybe somebody does better quality video or somebody does more authentic or you don't want to work with that client because yeah. they're completely rigid. And, you know, so lean into your failure because that's where the lessons and the insight is. Yeah. Okay. And speaking about content marketers, do you think that uh, being stubborn is one of the most important <laughs> qualities. Uh, that. That's an interesting question. Um, I would the strength word I would use is persistence. Although, hey, whatever whatever you think works, and it comes from some research out of the positive psychology movement where we learn about the importance of being having grit. So, um, your what you were talking about earlier about what you love. 
talks about one aspect of being gritty, which is passion. When I combine passion with persistence, that's when I can be gritty. And gritty is I can get through the tough stuff, even when it seems like I wouldn't be resourceful enough to do it or it's frustrating. So grittier people are more likely to keep going despite obstacles, challenges, and setbacks. Yeah, thank you. I absolutely agree. Okay, and as I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm sure and I believe that there is no way mm-hmm. to success without failures. So what were mm-hmm. your failures in content marketing? And what did you learn from them? Yeah. What were the lessons? Content marketing was a great way for me to see what I'm not supposed to be doing in my business. Um I, <laughs> I, and I'm not <laughs> criticizing content marketing. I actually think it's, it's incredible. I'm so grateful to be an entrepreneur at this time of, of, uh, social media explosion. I mean, I'm just so. Yeah. Social media network. I don't know how world, yeah. ran businesses before <laughs> social media. I, I didn't have a business, <laughs> so I truly don't know. And I hear from my speaking colleagues and fellow, fellow coaches that they would bundle things up and mail it to people and have no idea if it was open. I mean, just just the the expense, the energy, I just can't imagine it. Um, but what I mean for me personally is that I had hired a coach to work with to help grow my business. And I didn't pick well. It was a wonderful human, somebody who's done, who's a multi, who's made millions of dollars online Um, The thing that I didn't realize that was different about him and I is that his audience was huge. His funnel was so big, was so huge in multiple countries, in multiple languages, that he already had a great audience to market to. I didn't have that. And on top of it, I didn't listen to my instinct when his suggestion was, I think you should build a program that's all about your entrepreneurship journey. That's what people keep calling you and asking you about. You should be building a product for that. And then I'll help you build the funnels. I'll help you. I'll link you up with my content marketing team to build ads and design them and advertise them. And I did not make any money on that. And it's not because I didn't design a great program and have interesting ads and all the other things that I'm sure the people listening to this podcast will experience. It's just That's not what my people want from me. It may be what people ask me about. It's not what people are going to buy. So my biggest failure was that I didn't listen to my instinct and I didn't frankly have the right intention when I started out in that journey. My intention was to make more money. And I think that the universe just knows that that's the wrong reason to do something. It's, it's, it's a superficial reason. So you may get superficial results. You get a few people buying or you get a, a whole bunch of people clicking and not doing anything as a result of your ads And so I spent a lot of money. I didn't actually lose anything because what I invested in the coach and all that other stuff, I did have people buy the program, but it's, I, I found it to be heavy, heavy, heavy hard work. And it wasn't what you talked about earlier with spending time doing what you love. So now I know any content marketing plan that I need to, to be part of my business, it has to be grounded on a really solid, important, why purpose driven work that I'm doing. That's got to be why I build the product and what I put out into the world. And then I have to hire really great people like the people listening to this podcast to do the work because you're experts in what you do. I'm experts in what I do. And I need to find a good partnership 
for it to actually then reach a bigger audience of people while also growing the list in which to yeah. be able to have a warm audience to target before ever try to sell to a cold audience. So lots of lessons. I'm sure everybody listening to your podcast has experienced those things too. Um, if you've got a client who doesn't believe it, just send them this, <laughs> send them this and have them learn from my mistakes <laughs> so that you're not having to have them learn on your time. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You know, I was right. Failures are like uh, life lessons. The more you study, yes. the cleverer you become. And, you know, I noticed that in modern world, uh, most of the time, the word failure is associated yeah. with uh, something negative and is, is used in negative connotation. So when we talk about failure, we always think about something bad, negative or sad, but could failure yes, ever be absolutely well this time last year i was still trying to hustle to make that business model part of my business work with the con- working now i had hired people to do content marketing and so forth and and i spent so much time and energy on that it was drying up all my resources to be able to work other aspects of my business so the number of speaking engagements and clients that I was doing training and coaching reduced because so much of my energy was shifted to, no, I just, if I just try harder, but it wasn't the right foundation. So instead the the learning for me was, and I'm hoping that your listeners have a similar example. When I finally was willing to listen to the lesson, I was able to shift my focus. I was able to let it go and just say, thank you lessons, all of the really hard lessons, the hundreds of hours of time I get, I get you universe. I understand what you're trying to say. And since making that decision, I have, I have booked more business. I have my best year on the books yet in five years. And, and really what it took was spending so much time doing something that wasn't working it allowed me to realize, have greater clarity about what, what is working. And now I know how to better sell what I love to do and do so well. So instead of trying, what I learned from content marketing and how to, how to talk about products and services in the virtual environment, I took all those lessons and I applied them to also my physical products. And so now I have way higher sales of those on top of the speaking engagements and so forth. And the really interesting, fascinating thing is that now I have people buying those virtual products that I'm not even trying to sell to because it's available and it's out there and I'm not being, I'm not having a push energy. It's a, it's a pull like, Hey, if you are interested, this is available, but zero pressure. So it's, it's an important, I think, thing that we need to look at the obs, the things that are working in our business, whether you're a side hustle entrepreneur where you are just getting going or you have people who are listening to your podcast that do this full time or they they have a team um the things that aren't working in your business are probably going to be right behind all of those things that aren't working is an actual way better opportunity you can make more money you can be happier it can be more in line with your brand if you clean out those things that are standing in the way, the shoulds, I should keep doing this. I should. Um, it actually, if we take the should out, maybe actually it's the, I want, or I'm compelled to do, or I feel yeah. grateful to be able to do it. Yeah. And you get to apply all the lessons to that thing. Um 
And should listeners uh, even well, try that's that what all of the experts that I spoke with when when I say experts in terms of they were experts in their field, so academia or um, you know uh, film and television, uh, ath- competitive athletes. They were people who constantly strove to fail. And if you think about a, an Olympic athlete, just for a, a, a second, nobody could possibly imagine before you go to the Olympics that your body could do the things that it can do that got you to the Olympics, to be able to get you to qualify, let alone actually medal. There is nobody, there is no athlete that really is working within the realms of normal muscle usage and fitness and so forth. You've had to completely break all of your own mental models, limitations, assumptions to be able to represent your country. So I actually think that we can take all of those same lessons in business and in marketing is that imagine if there were, if every limitation we thought existed, were just a story. We're just we're just an idea. And actually it's not a limitation. What would be possible? Who would be, and if any of your listeners are actually come out of more old school marketing and have shifted into digital marketing, I'm sure they've had to do that. I'm sure at one time when digital marketing was coming along, people didn't think, Oh, absolutely. I think we could probably reach, uh, 3,000 people for about $10, definitely. But that's possible in the virtual world. That's possible in the digital world. It never would have been in the more traditional marketing realm. So when we believe and we subscribe to those limited views and models of of, um, the world, and we don't strive to fail, we don't strive to do things outside of our comfort zone, then we would never come up with new ways to create ads. We would we would never be able to find an innovative, that really unique way to to create create a new content marketing strategy. And I'm confident that the within the next five years, we're going to see even dramatically different ways than we're doing content marketing even now, because there will be people willing to fail, willing to. Sp- put money into content marketing that's not going to go anywhere and then stumble upon the really amazing thing that works. And then all of a sudden stop working and then they'll find something else. If we don't strive, then we don't, then we don't learn. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. never know until Mm -hmm. you try. And um, is this striving for failure uh, somehow depends on being oh, risky. Well, I, I would, I'm going to offer this to people who are risk averse because I, I respect that there are some people who, who have a higher tolerance for risk than others. Um, we, in the, the great thing about content marketing is there's so many process metrics that allows you to study things as you go and you can turn off an ad or turn it back on anytime you want. So if instead of seeing things as a very black and white binary, um, it's either worked or it didn't work sort of way. And it's only outcome based. So for example, I'm only going to be deserved to get paid if I make my client uh, convert X amount into, you know, paid spots in their course, let's say, that's an outcome measure. Maybe in fact, it's process measures that we should be focusing on. So if I have greater clicks, greater conversions, if I have more views, if I have more registrations, maybe that is actually, um, and I, and I think that probably content marketers have a greater tolerance for, um, valuing and the importance of process monitoring and improving on processes than maybe their clients do. 
Um, but that's actually what allows us to manage risk better. Because if I'm focused on every everything that worked or didn't work, it's helping me create a more successful campaign, um, then that allows me to eventually, I'm reducing the risk all the way along. So if risk starts up here, because I have no idea what ad's going to work, what language, should I be using video pictures? And I assume that there's going to be a whole bunch that don't work. I am reducing risk the more I'm willing to try different ads and different words and different un- really unique ways of, of putting this content out. So that would be what I would suggest is that you want to find a way to reduce the risk. Obviously, it's not just a scatter plot. Oh, I'm just today I'm going to just start using a bunch of different pictures and just see and not come do A-B testing or anything. Really, if you have a, a plan that allows you to meet a very key objectives, which I think every content marketer does, it it is actually a way of reducing risk because you're building risk reduction into your plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, true. And, uh, you know, many of my listeners or webinar attendees, they often risk, uh, they often go and do Mm -hmm. something that they never done before. I mean, in social media, but then when they, uh, uh, when they fail in that, they feel depressed, they feel disappointed because the competition is high or there are some money issues, then again, lack of ideas and so on. So uh, what would you advise mm-hmm. me to advise them yeah. when they feel... Well, if you accept that failure is part of it and that it is not the end of the road, it, this is this too shall pass is the expression. I think it's Shakespeare who said this, this too shall pass. Um, it's, then it's just temporary and you're allowed to feel down for a while. Like if you've put a lot of money, a lot of time, if you've, let's say written eight proposals for different clients and they didn't accept it or, or a client fired you because they're not getting the results, you're totally allowed to feel down. Absolutely. It's that when you have a failure resistance that you don't think that that's okay, or it's expected, it keeps you down. So what I would like to suggest to your listeners is that um, if you if you if you see things in with a very limited view of black and white, I'm not a good content marketer because I didn't get that proposal because this campaign didn't work as well as the last time because this client fired me. Um, then then you're it's going to be a harder road. That if you feel like this is part of this is part of my whole career. This is one tiny blip that I probably won't even remember in the grand scheme of things. And I'll tell you, I, for those listeners who are really feeling struggling with this right now, I absolutely 100% please hear me when I say this, I get what that feels like. I can remember even in, after I hired people to do content marketing for me, feeling like there must be something wrong with me that people didn't want to buy my product as much as my coach felt and projected they would be buying it. Um, and, and selling and making enough money to cover my cost was not my plan. I was, I had planned, I had this huge vision of my husband being able to retire from this early and that, you know, we were going to be able to go on these amazing trips and all the sort of hype that some people can put out there about, oh, you'll be able to make money in your sleep. I'm like, wow. But there's the the only thing less passive than passive revenue. (laughs) it's, It's not passive at all. I don't know why people keep saying it's passive revenue, make money in your sleep. Content marketers 
work so hard. <laughs> so, you know, I think just, you know, we, I it's think part true. of it is we just have to reject that ridiculous notion that frankly people are using to sell ads, which is make money in your sleep. It's so easy. The, the uh, online revolution is here. Be part of the trend. You all know better <laughs> that it is not that simple. So don't also fall victim to that, that thinking yourself. Um, it's hard work. You do hard work, everybody. I do. N- I am not remotely qualified to do the incredible work that you do. It's hard. Oh, come on. Thank you. And I also wanted to ask you a question considering this uh, feeling down. So uh, how to understand? So when, for example, I start a new business on Instagram, for example, an, uh, an online shop, Uh, Mm -hmm. for jewelry for example then I try this that and it doesn't work and then I feel down and how um how should I understand so should Mm. I uh, give it up Mm. it's not mine like you said content marketing was not for you or it's just a period and I should just uh, walk through Mm -hmm. and then revive again what should I do? How, yeah. how to well, understand I mean, this? Listen thing. to podcasts like this because you're going to keep getting new insights and, and it'll give you an idea and it'll give you some hope so you can try something new. So keep yourself educated. If you're if you're really in it for the long haul, studying content marketing will be your forever thing that you need to do. You can't not know. It's not like you learn, oh yeah, I should drink eight cups of water a day. And you start drinking eight cups of water and now your body is more hydrated and there's nothing else to learn about drinking. That's it. That's all you need to know. Just drink water, keep your body hydrated, done. (laughs) Content marketing is the absolute opposite of that. Between algorithms changing and your maybe your avatar is not as clear, or you've, you're you're trying to, to decide where is your avatar most likely to be, and and how, what types of things do people respond to, and then of course as soon as you are starting to figure it out, there'll be changes whether you know about them or not. So it's really important, I think, for people to pay very close attention to their metrics. Because then you're not just, oh, okay, you know, it's working. Now I know how to bring in an X amount of dollars in sales. And then all of a sudden you get this scary ad spend and not getting the consumer buying spend. So that's one thing really, really study and your metrics. Anybody should be studying their business metrics, not just your, you know, your content. Study the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing is remember that business is a long haul prospect that although it can seem like I'm putting up this ad right now and people didn't buy that pair of shoes or that piece of jewelry or that book that I put on there. However, they may love what you're all about. They may love your, your um, images. They may love your whimsical way of writing copy. They may just simply feel good because you throw the odd quote up there. And those are actually the most engagement the more people know, like, and trust you, the more likely they are to buy from you. So show up to serve. Don't just serve, show up to sell. People will know that this is purely sales pitch. So also just try to be, try to be a good human and continue to put that out there. And don't feel bad that the ad that you paid for of the shoes that you want to sell gets less views than that inspirational quote, because if people keep coming back to your page and the more people visit it, the more likely it's going to show up in their feed. So just remember that failure, if you look at it again in that really black and white way of, 
I put all this money into this one piece of jewelry I advertised. I didn't get it. I, you know, I lost money on it. I don't know if I should be in this business anymore. That's not the way successful content marketing and the way successful online businesses run. It is a long-term thing. You know, you know, part of why I pulled back from doing my virtual programs is because the majority of what I did before I tried the content marketing was live high investment things. So I could just shift focus and 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 spend more time on that and then also have the content marketing in the background. For for some of your listeners who are 100% reliant because they have an online store or they have only virtual courses, things like that, that that they're really reliant, please know that you will have short-term successes and everything you're doing now is going to lead to longer-term successes too. So circle back to what your advice was earlier. Are you passionate about this? If every time you have to go and produce content, it feels like drudgery, that's either because it's new learning and it's intimidating. And so that's very normal. However, if you've been doing this for two years and it feels like every time you have to do something, it feels, ugh, maybe it's not for you. Maybe you don't. Yeah, it's not for you then. But you know, it's, it's maybe that part's not for you. Maybe it's that you, maybe you want to sell something different, or maybe you want to not just only talk about your products. Maybe, maybe the lesson is I have to have more pictures of me wearing my shoes or out in my, you know, or wearing my jewelry or making my jewelry, you know, let just experiment with, with what gets attention, create campaigns that, that are involved, uh, involve gamification. Like, you know, just be curious and, And I guess one last piece of advice I'd have is, are you leaning on other people for support? We talked about the importance of support, like podcasts such as this. And also there may be a few people in your industry or outside of your industry that are your people that you can call up or you can have a Skype conversation that will tell you, oh yeah, absolutely. I had one of those campaigns like that. It's hard. And, And, you know, because everybody has been through it. We only see, it looks, the way, the, the way the world is externally facing, especially in the digital world, as we all know, we hear about it all the time, it's the filtered version of things. So there is all kinds of struggles happening behind the scenes, incredibly for very successful brands and, and companies and influencers. Uh, I heard about an influencer recently who threw hundreds of thousands of dollars into a campaign and was so dissatisfied with the results, made very little money. It consumed a good portion of her time. And she was, she was very humbled. Her book sales weren't going well as well. That was just, you know, of, of one of her, her recent books. And she's an, she's a best-selling author. She was so disappointed. And then she realized, okay, I guess it was my turn to have the huge roadblock and the obstacle. And, and once she kind of got over the ego hit that happened, which she fully admits is an ego hit. Now she realized that she had been, her intention was completely off. She had gotten off for intention. It was to just make more money. It was to put an extra zero on the end of her salary. She had lost track of the whole philosophy around serving and she just focused on selling. So if you're a jewelry owner and you love making jewelry or you love importing beautiful jewelry made by craftspeople in disadvantaged parts of the world, like whatever your sense of passion for why you do what you do, 
would your viewers, would the people on your feed know that that's what your, what your heart and your soul is telling you you're trying to do? If there is, if it's soulless, people don't need more soulless. They need more good humans. Yeah. They need to see the fire in their eyes mm, and to feel that absolutely. energy. Yeah. And when you feel down, what do you usually do? Do you have some secrets to yeah. get back to a good well, mood? Um, I have this, my philosophy of the year is never break a promise to yourself. And the promise, the only promises I make to myself are things that bring me joy. So for example, I have a philosophy, 15 minutes of movement a day. I get to pick the movement that fills my soul. Last night it was tap dancing, tomorrow it's hip hop, today it'll be stretching or a walk with my husband. It's snowing right now, so it's very beautiful in, in Ontario. Yeah. Oh, so um, yeah. so that's that's one of the things that I do when I'm down is I move. And, and that has two benefits. One is the actual movement makes me feel better because my brain likes that the endorphin rush that happens with activity. And also I feel better about myself because I haven't broken a promise to myself. So I feel important because I made myself important enough to do that. And even though, I mean, yesterday I had a very busy day. Um, and I also didn't sleep well thinking about my busy day. I didn't get much sleep. I still went to tap class because I don't break a promise and I didn't want to break a promise to the women I dance with. So that's one thing is find things that bring you joy and then make a commitment to do it. Even when you're tired, even when you're frustrated, even when you're in the middle of a big campaign. Um, the other thing that I do is I, I just try to really spend good quality dialed in time with the people that I love the most. I had a conversation with one of my favorite speaking colleagues this morning and I put in my earbuds and I walked around the uh, converted barn I work in. And we just had a really great reconnecting conversation for half an hour. I have a hundred things to do today. And that none of that mattered more than Penny. Same with my kids. Uh, my son's going through a bit of a rough time this week. And so last night I sat on the bed and we had a heart to heart for an hour. And the, there, again, lots of things that should have been done. My daughter had a, an ex a test today, I sat down with her right after dinner, studied with her, Do not, it's chemistry. I hate chemistry, but coming with her, like physical oh, contact yeah. <laughs> while we're studying chemistry fed my soul. So I guess one of the things that I would suggest to people is, is spend time, true quality time with the people who absolutely matter most to you. Even if you don't like the thing you're doing, like you're going for a run and you don't like running, but you know, your kids are training for, for a sporting thing or, Um, you don't really like grocery shopping, but you're, or shopping, shopping, but you you know, your, your spouse wants a new outfit because they're going for a job interview, like really, really dial into being with them in that moment. And the third thing I'd suggest, and there's so much research about this is, is practice gratitude every day. When I walk into this converted barn that I, I, my office is upstairs and I have a retreat space downstairs. I say to myself, I take a deep breath in and I breathe out and I say, oh, I'm so, so grateful because my husband and my barn, my husband, sorry, my husband and my father completely gutted and rebuilt this barn because I asked them to. And so find things that you feel grateful about. Actually say out loud how lucky you are, how grateful you are, what you feel grateful for. If you're really going through a tough time right now, you may want to write things down. And, and then read them. And it may feel really artificial and contrived right now. 
However, the art of articulating it out loud will ground you and it's like fake it till you make it sometimes. By saying things that are grateful things, it tricks your brain into believing that you are feeling grateful in that moment because you are your brain has to work harder when you actually articulate something. It activates more parts of your brain when you visualize and you articulate things that you feel grateful for. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. And if you were a magician and if you had a magic stick, would you make a life on our planet Earth without failures? Do you think? Yeah, no, I, I don't happy? think I would. I think what I would do is I would uh, wave that magic stick and I would say people will unconditionally recognize themselves and others despite failures, obstacles, roadblocks, disappointments. If we can recognize ourselves and stop the negative comparing it's and instead reflect inwards and also notice things outside that are maybe struggling and reach out to people and, and, and comfort ourselves and, and, you know, just know that it, yes, that's part of the whole quest of being human. Could you imagine how boring it would be if everything worked out exactly how you wanted it? There are a lot of very yeah, privileged yeah. people in the world who are miserable, who are depressed who are doing really harmful, self-harming things like drinking and doing drugs and, and sleeping around and just, they have everything in the world. They have talent, they have fame, they have people who would spend millions of dollars just to have dinner with them and they're miserable. And so they, we can create failures and drama all on our own. We don't need the universe to give it to us. We can sabotage ourselves So in actual fact, the most resilient people who can manage those up and down, because when you leave, when you all of a sudden lose a loved one, or you, you, you know, you're, you're out, you're used to being a best-selling artist and that last album just tanked, nobody liked it and nobody bought it. Or, you know, every one of us falls from grace. Every athlete no longer can compete at some point because their body begins to break down. Um, every best-selling author doesn't have a bestseller come along and every content marketer who has run kick butt campaigns all of a sudden hits a wall and they cannot get their mojo back for that particular campaign. We all, it, it happens to all of us and yes, we could wish it away. However, wouldn't it be better if we could more deeply and humanistically connect to each other? through our failures. That's, I think, why people love Brene Brown so much because she's so raw and authentic and vulnerable and she's doing research on that vulnerability and people are responding to it in such a massive, huge way. That's why Oprah became so huge because she was taught, she talked about her failures and what wasn't working and, and, you know, all the challenges that have happened to you and people love her more because of what she's overcome, not because of what this, not necessarily because of the success she became. I mean, I think they all love her for that too, but so that's what my wish would be is, is be able to unconditionally recognize yourself and others. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's it's so cool that nowadays there are more and more people like you and they are not shy to talk about that. And that 
they have possibility to reach the crowd, to reach other people from other countries, from the corners of the world to tell them these things. Well, and, and yeah, thank you for saying that. Cool. You know, I have to tell you, if somebody, no matter where they are in the world, if they reached out to me and I wanted to hire a content marketer, I would want them to tell me about the biggest failure you've had on a campaign and what did you learn from it? Because then I know what they're a good fit for me. Then I know they've A, learned something, B, they're hungry to constantly grow and develop, C, they're on top of their field because they're studying what what worked and what didn't work. They know that obstacles are going to happen in my campaign and they're going to bounce back from it. That's actually, I would want a content expert that has failed a lot and then had huge successes afterwards, as opposed to the person who stumbled into success or the way some of us, we put a lot of people in the content marketing world up on a pedestal, like Gary V has done huge things. And yet he was the, it was the perfect time. Facebook was a baby. I mean, a baby. Justin Bieber was discovered <laughs> on Facebook when virtually no eight-year-olds were singing with their guitar on, 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 um, you know, you, sorry, YouTube. I said Facebook, YouTube. So some of it is, is pure luck. And, and it's actually the content marketers that are really getting started or getting going today that have to have way more failure resiliency, way more hustle, way more focus, because there's more competition out there of, of your ads. They're, they're, they say they're running out of space even to be able to place ads. They're getting more expensive. Therefore, customers are, or your, for your own business, if you're running your own ads, it's getting more challenging. Um, and that doesn't necessarily a bad thing. It means that you're probably going to really learn um, what's working, what's not way faster than if you had as, as you didn't have as many barriers. So um, I, I actually am curious about your failures and I hope your listeners share some of their failures with each other so that you don't feel like you're alone. Yeah. So don't think like you are alone and only you are so stupid to experience all of these issues. No, no, of course not. Okay. So can you share with us some, the best way to reach you or where we can learn more about your books, about what you're doing, about your yeah, services, sure. about your coaching? Um, if you want to come on over to greatnessmagnify.com, uh, it has information about my speaking, my coaching, a little bit about me. Um, if folks want to reach out to me directly, I'm on all forms of social media. So it's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, McVannell, M-C-V-A-N-E-L, uh, of course, including Instagram. In fact, the barn that I was talking about has its own Instagram um, page as well. So that's <laughs> Greatness Restored Barn. So, you know, I would love for people to reach out and direct message me. Uh, yeah, okay. I will include all the links mentioned to the description of this episode. Sarah, you know, you made me you made me so inspired. I've never received such an inspiration from a person from another part of the world through just the screen. It's it's incredible. Thank you for joining me and thank you for uh really for sharing your value, for sharing your knowledge with my audience and with me, of course. And what message, what final message would you like to leave? Mm. Um, my listeners with write a thank you card to somebody that you care about today it could be a handwritten one um if it could be direct messaging texting somebody when somebody buys something from your site uh handwrite it take a picture dm them 
people will notice that the world is starved for being people feeling appreciated and uh, recognized. And you can, that can be a huge game changer in your business too. And frankly, it'll just make you feel good because you know, it's making other people feel good. So keep those things going. Yeah. Let's imagine that I can give these thank you cards I'm feeling it. <laughs> through the I'm screen. It. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming once again. Hope to see you in my next episodes or on my webinars. Hope for future collaboration. Thank Good you. luck and thank you. This is a podcast sponsored by Combin.com. Grow and manage your Instagram safely and organically with Combin Growth and Combin Scheduler. Instagram promotion is easy. Combin.com.